Amen. Well, what I'll share with you, I take to be a continuation of the message that our brother Minoru will record tomorrow, but it's in the order or the sequence of the two messages, it seems to me that it should be the first of the two. But that's just my view. Mm -hmm. I leave the matter to you brothers. Okay, both messages are on prayer, but not in a general way. And what I want to do, after a very brief opening word, let me just get my phone, uh, my, my, my watch. After a brief opening word, we will study three portions from the writings of our brother, the Apostle John. And the first two portions are direct teachings from the God-man Jesus a man of prayer. And these teachings will usher us into the intrinsic significance of prayer according to God. Then the remaining portion will be from 1 John. And John is writing according to God in oneness with the triune God, and the words he's speaking are according to God. But now for a very brief opening word, and there's a reason for this, and uh, I don't try to guess how everyone else feels, although I think we have a common feeling, My view is that prayer is a matter of lifelong learning. I still very much before the Lord view myself as a learner. Perhaps by his grace, I've learned some things, but I don't consider myself an advanced learner simply a learner. From the human point of view, which we need to have, is prayer, is contacting the Lord to have fellowship with him and to express to him what is within us on the human side or on the spiritual side. In Philippians 4, Paul tells us not to be anxious, but make all your requests known to the Lord. So in our personal one-on-one -on -one contact with the Lord, we should not abandon this aspect of prayer from the human side. We come to him as the most wonderful person 
our Lord, our shepherd, soon to be our bridegroom, and we open to him. We pray his word with him and to him. And we talk to him about whatever is in our being, whatever is concerning us, whatever needs we have, whatever sufferings we're going through. But what we will emphasize now is prayer according to God. And that is the prayer that will enable God himself to carry out his will and purpose on the earth. It's the kind of prayer that fulfills the desire of God's heart. The Lord taught us to pray, and one part of it, his teaching was to pray to God the Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we are about to come to the first portion from the Gospel of John, I would emphasize that what I will share concerning prayer is based on the realization that prayer is our mutual contact with God himself. He contacts us and we respond. We contact him and he may respond. And in this prayer, through our contacting with him, there's a flow between us and God. And he makes known to us, little by little perhaps, what is in his heart, what are his desires, and then what he makes known becomes prayers. And along with this intrinsic realization that we're contacting a living, present person. And we are inhaling him. We are receiving transmission from him. We are receiving the divine dispensing. We are in a union with him, a union of life. But underlying this is the realization that the basic purpose of our praying is for God's will to be accomplished. We know from Revelation 4.11 that God's will is the source of every positive thing in the universe. We know from 
Colossians and Ephesians, that God's will concerns Christ and the church. We know from Matthew, God's will concerns the kingdom. We know from Revelation that ultimately God's will is his wife, a corporate person, the new Jerusalem. And what he needs is his people on earth to be able to set aside their feelings about things, their views, and be one with the Lord and open to the Lord in this mutual contact with him and from him to release some genuine prayers that cause, that enable God's will to be done. The first portion is a verse concerning prayer in the vine. Of course, I'm referring to John chapter 15. I am the true vine, the father is the husband. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and I in you. In verse 7 of this chapter, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Because the Lord is speaking this in the context of his word regarding the vine and the branches, we may refer to this rightly as prayer in the vine, the prayer of branches who experientially are not only in the vine, they are abiding in the vine. But what does it mean to say that Christ is the true vine? How do we approach him? How do we contact him? How do we experience him as the true vine? The Christ who spoke these words, uttered at a particular time, shortly before his death on the cross, the one who spoke these words is now for us the resurrected, indwelling Christ as the life-giving spirit. This means that the true vine is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit. We are the branches attached to the vine. How are we attached to the vine? 
so that we can be abiding in the vine. It is through the mingled spirit. When we are in our regenerated spirit, which is a mingled spirit, and exercise this spirit, we are, at this particular period of time, experientially abiding, living, dwelling in the vine. As a result, what is flowing throughout the vine flows in us. And whatever the vine wants to impart to us, while we are in this union, he flows into us. This then is the foundation for his word in verse 7. In verses 4 and 5, he said emphatically, Abide in me. If you abide in me by being in your spirit, I will abide in you. Now he speaks of prayer. And we need to carefully consider all that he's saying. If you, and this is plural here, if you Abide in me. It is the same as verses 4 and 5. We are now exercised to be in the mingled spirit, thereby to be in the vine, Christ as the life-giving spirit. But here he says, and my words abide in you. As we are abiding in the vine, inwardly, his words come to us. It may be Rima words the Spirit uses from the scriptures. It may be a kind of inner speaking that our intuition and fellowship sense. But now his words are abiding in us. And these words that are abiding in us are making known to us what God wants in a particular situation. What are the desires of his heart concerning this specific matter. So his words abiding in us communicate to us in our spirit what is in God's being. I believe we can use as an illustration I don't go into detail it was that the Lord gave some brothers the sense many years ago that he wanted to open up the Russian-speaking world 
for the Lord's recovery. And eventually, this became part of their prayer service, their prayer ministry. What God wanted became what they wanted. God's desire became their desire. This is what needs to happen in us as we're praying in the vine. Yes, at another occasion with the Lord, as I mentioned before, we can converse with him about whatever is on our heart, our needs, our concerns. We can talk to him. He cares. It matters to him. But now we're praying for God's interest, his move, his will, his economy, his purpose. And we do this by living a life of abiding in the true vine, then spontaneously his words that are in us give us some impression, some sense that God really wants to do this. He really wants to do something concerning this matter, that matter. This country, that country. Then his desire, because we're one with him, becomes our desire. <clears throat> Just phlegm, don't worry. Then the Lord says, ask whatever you will. Well, if we read this with a natural understanding and in a self-centered way, we may say, wow, whatever I want, I can ask for. I want uh, this, I want that. No. Here, all those selfish interests, even all those human desires, they're set aside. The words reveal God's desire. Because we're one with the Lord, we're mingled with him. We're contacting him. We're receiving transmission from him. We're open to him. We love him. In this union of life, what he wants becomes what we want. I believe the brothers didn't just simply pray, Lord. You want to open up the Russian-speaking world. We pray that you will do what you want. That is a good prayer, but it's not this prayer. What God wanted regarding that part of the earth became what some brothers wanted. They can call out to the Lord. Lord, we long, we pray. 
we wish for you to do this. Lord, open up the Russian-speaking world for your recovery. This is asking whatever we will. But what we will, what we want in this context is limited to what God wants becoming what we want. God's desire becoming our desire. So the the self, the natural life that's full of wants and desires and longings, all of that has no place here. They're not present when we are abiding in the vine. The more we are one with the vine, the more we're abiding in the vine, the less we are concerned even subjectively with our personal interests and matters and concerns and needs and problems. We're just full of feeling and consideration and intention and desire that manifests and expresses all that's in God. And so we ask, right? Ask whatever you will. And then the Lord says, it shall be done to you. Here is the thought behind this verse, as I presently understand it. God has a will. God has a desire concerning a particular situation or person or country or church. But he will not act unilaterally. He has established the principle of prayer, which is that God wants to do certain things, but he needs his people on the earth to be one with him, to agree with him, and to pray according to that. So surely the Lord willed to dissolve the Soviet Union in 1991. But he didn't just do this because he's God and omnipotent and omnipresent. He made this will known to members of his body. And what was made known became their prayers, something they want. Their prayers express their desire. And here is the key. Their prayers express God's desire that has become their desire. They pray according to 
their desire and God gives them what they ask because in this way he obtains what he desires through the prayers that express his desire. Therefore, by responding to our desire, he actually fulfills his desire because he knows that our desire expressed in this prayer is his desire expressed. This verse I come to repeatedly. It's always fresh. It's fresh to me now. As I say, I'm a learner. The Lord is longing for this kind of prayer to be taking place constantly all over the earth. Maybe this is why we have different time zones. There's always some alert and awake that can be abiding in the vine, allowing the words to abide in them. The words become their desire expressed in their prayer. So whatever God wills, there is now a channel on the earth that fully agrees with whatever he wills. And that becomes the content of their prayer. God desires to accomplish something. He makes his desire known to some. That desire becomes theirs, expressed as prayers. They ask what they want. What they want is what God wants. Then by answering their prayers, he fulfills his desire and accomplishes his will. Related to this is something I've been learning from Brother Watchman Nee, a message he gave entitled The Limitations of God. They would pray in a certain way. I'm talking about praying in the Lord's name. And they would utter something. Then their standard way of ending was, we ask this in your name, Lord. And even then, it didn't ring true to me. But how could I find something erroneous about that? That's certainly noble. But simply to use the words, Lord, we pray in your name. We ask in your name. Mean in themselves nothing to the Lord. This is not a formula. It's not a ritual. It's not a technique or a method. Well, what does it mean 
The Lord's name denotes the Lord's person. To be in the Lord's name is to be in the Lord as the person. I'm thinking of Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, the name denotes the person. To be in the name is to be in the person. And this person is dwelling in us as the spirit. When we are in him, abiding in him, by being in the mingled spirit, we are in his name. Then actually he is the one doing. He is the one speaking. He is the one praying. So to pray in his name is not a matter of using the words, we ask this in your name. We may use the words and not be praying in his name. Or we may actually be praying in his name, but are not necessarily using this vocabulary. So there is a matter here that I believe the Lord in his present heavenly ministry wants to fully develop among us all in the recovery. So that we will be praying not only in the vine, praying prayers that express God's desire, We are now praying with the Lord himself, who is in us, praying. To be in the name of the Lord is to be in the life union with him at any particular time. Suppose in my human situation, I'm troubled by something, I'm bothered by something, I'm suffering something, I have a longing for something, then I bring this to the Lord sincerely. But actually, I am praying in my own name. This is Ron, the person, communicating with the Lord, the person, sharing what's in me. These prayers are in my own person. These are my thoughts, my feelings, my needs, whatever it is. But again, I say we're talking about the prayer that accomplishes God's will. The prayer 
that opens the way for the Lord to move unhindered. The prayer that fulfills the desires in God's heart. He needs the church, the saints, to pray like this. Otherwise, we're limiting him instead of releasing him. So the first step, I repeat, is to be abiding in him by being in the mingled spirit. Then as we abide, his words make known his desire, they become our desire, and we pray. Now we come to the praying itself, the actual, we could say, act or function of praying. Now it is not we in our person praying. That old man, the self, the natural life, has all been crossed out. No place here. Christ is making his home in our heart. The word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. The Lord's desires have become our desire. And he is praying in the heavens. As the Spirit, he is praying in us. And now we join him in his praying. His praying becomes our praying. Our praying has become his praying. Whenever we would pray to the Father in this way, the Father hears his Son praying in his sons who are praying in the name of the Father's Son, our Lord Jesus. This is based upon our being in the Lord's name. There's a distinction, although it's with the continuity, between being in the Lord's name and praying in the Lord's name. If we are not in the Lord's name and are living at a given time, we cannot suddenly pray in his name. Because we're not in him. We can use the terminology, it means nothing. So one of our greatest needs, and the Lord knows, I'm increasingly aware, my greatest need is to be in him, to live in him, to live him, to abide in him. That is to be in his name. So back to Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, this is now your living, your human living at home with your spouse, your family, with the saints, 
on your job, whatever you're doing in word, whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing in action, whatever you're saying in word, you are in the Lord's being. Your being is in his name. Then the prayer in his name actually comes spontaneously. Yes, we may have specific times to do this. But what is normal is that we're already in his name. We have been exercised to abide in him and be in his person. Now we sense the need and the burden to pray in his name. This is simply and actually an application of our being in him. Another memory, sometimes they're helpful for to be enlightened and to be for learning. I remember way back in 1971, I'd only been in the Lord's recovery for five years. And in fellowship with Brother Lee and according to the Lord's will and Brother Lee's direction, I moved to a certain city for the church life. I was very much still a young adult. But I and two others suddenly wanted to be in the lead. We weren't officially elders, but be in the lead. So I remember more than once coming together with the brothers before the meeting and praying, sincerely praying and having this conviction. Lord, I'm praying now. But I haven't been in you most of the day. Now suddenly I'm becoming a different person because we need to pray. Well, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. The Father is also righteous and disciplining and training his children. So we're making some advance. The point is that we cannot make prayer an activity separated, divorced from our actual daily living. If we want, and I believe more and more we will desire, to be able to pray personally in small groups with our husband or wife, in district meetings, in a conference, in a training. We want to pray in your name, in your being, praying your prayers, which have become our prayers. The extent to which we can pray like this will be determined by the extent to which we are in his name. So in a few hours, I will go home after laboring some more on outlines and other things. I'll be with my wife, who's my sister. We're fellow members of the body. I need to be 
in the Lord with her as we're conversing, as I'm responding to what she is sharing or trying to share with me. If I'm in my own person, I'm outside of the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, this is really the God-man living, a living in the Lord's name that is in the Lord's person. Then this opens the way for us to pray in the Lord's name. Then maybe you're thinking, I'm also thinking, some of us might be thinking this. Then what do we do? We are learning. We have to honestly say, we're abiding. Now we're not abiding. We're in the spirit now. We're exercising the spirit now. But sorry, at that time, I was not. So we're in a process. I believe, and I would assure you, that if we are humbled before the Lord, confess to him where we are, and express to him our longing to be in his name, to live in his name, and to pray in his name. He will shepherd us. And then he will, based upon his being the reality of the offerings and based upon his precious blood, he will shepherd us into his name to pray. Then we will have a sense. This is wonderful. I'm in another realm. I've never prayed like this. The Lord might indicate, not verbally, but by the inner sense, this is being in my name. This is the way to live. The Lord might indicate, when I came as a man, I did nothing in my own name. I did everything in the Father's name. Now it's God's will that you would be a people in my name, in my person. And then pray in my name, in my person. So we want to close the door to the enemy with his accusations and his lies. We admit we are learners. We have a long way to go. But we will advance. We're not speaking these words in vain. Behind these words is at least some burden from the Lord. To open up John 15, 7, verse 16. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will. Pray in my name. Whatever you pray in my name, I will do it. As we're having this time together, 
by video. Our God, the Lord of heaven and earth, has in his being so many things he wants to do on the earth. Things the enemy is doing, he wants to stop. Situations he wants to address. He wants to spread the recovery in this way. Gain more ground in this situation and that situation. But he needs our prayer. He's waiting for the prayer in his name. Then this ushers us into the third section. And that is in 1 John. Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And the transition into these verses is this. Praying in the Lord's name is actually equal to praying according to God's will. When we abide in the vine, abide in the Lord, the the Lord's words abide in us, and his desire become our desire, what we are praying is related to God's will. God's will is what he wants. What he wants. What he wants to do today. What he wants to do in Canada what he wants to do in in any and all situations. Now when we pray in his name, by being in his person, whatever we ask will automatically be according to God's will. Our inner being will not allow us to ask for anything That is not God's will. We may have human feelings about a matter, a human view about a matter. But now we are in the Lord's name. Those feelings and views are gone. We are governed by the Lord's views, his feeling, his will. Now in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. The apostle tells us this. And this is the boldness which we have toward him. That if we ask if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay? Very similar to what's we read before. Whatever you ask. Whatever you pray in my name. Now, anything according to his will, he hears us. The context here is a deep and deepening fellowship of life with the triune God as members of the body of Christ. And a certain boldness 
can be developed within us when we are praying according to God's will. So when his words abide in us, we ask with boldness. When we pray in the Lord's name, our asking is with boldness. It's not human audacity. It's not presumption. That's horrible. That's the flesh. But it's a God-given assurance and confidence that the Lord is pleased with this. And we can come directly with to him with this kind of prayer. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. Okay? This is a statement concerning God. We're asking according to his will. He hears us. Then verse 15. 15, If we know that he hears us. We can know that he hears us. I don't have words for this. I don't have the utterance. There is some limited experience, personally and corporately, that are the basis. We've been praying according to his will. Then inwardly, we know that God hears us. Yes, he, as God, hears us. But in this fellowship, he wants us to know that he hears us. My brothers and sisters, this is a very endearing, precious inner sense to know, not hope, not simply believe, not wish, to know that God hears us. Then John goes on to say, if we know that he hears us, In whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. And the Lord wants to bring us to this point. Personally, and in meetings of the church, or group meetings, or vital group companions praying. We pray according to God's will. He hears us. But now he wants to have fellowship with us. In our intuition of our spirit. With our fellowship. We know that he hears us. And because we know that he hears us, we know something else. We know that we have the requests which we have asked of him. Probably almost all of us, maybe there's a rare exception, that has a very limited experiential knowledge of this. 
We don't have to be ashamed of that, but we should be humbled by it. We are learners. But I can testify to you in the Lord's name that these verses are real. When we ask, whatever we ask, that's according to his will. He hears us. We are abiding in him. His words are abiding in us. He's making his will known to us. Now we are praying in his name. Praying in his being. Praying in his person. Cooperating with him in praying. Then the content of our praying is something of God's will. So we are praying according to God's will in the particular matter we're expressing in our prayer. Therefore, God hears us. This is a great blessing for God to hear us. Then he makes known to us that he hears us. So we can stay after this time of prayer. Lord, we know, I know that you hear. I'm not just wishing for this. Believing this might be happen, happening, we know. Lord, therefore, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of you. I believe the Lord wants personal times of prayer, times of groups praying. Times of the whole church praying, where he is accomplishing through those prayers, whatever's on his heart, whatever his will is, whatever he wants to do, because he is now producing and bringing forth and perfecting a people who pray in the vine. Who abide in the Lord, his words abide in them. The words make known his desire that becomes our desire. We ask accordingly, he does it. We pray in the Lord's name, in his person. And we're restricted from praying so many things that might come to our mind or in our natural feeling. We're restricted to whatever God wants, whatever he wills, whatever he desires. And this becomes our prayer. Prayer according to God's will. He hears us. He knows, we know that he hears us. He hears us. And we can praise him at the end of this time of praying or a meeting for praying, we can praise him 
and thank him. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for giving the request that we asked. Now we are in the faith mentioned in Mark 11. When you pray, believe that you have received and you will receive. A message on this or including this will be released during the Memorial Day weekend training in the near future. But to have this sense, the prayers are answered. We have the requests. I can stop praying for this matter. It's already done. The Lord is answered. We can only praise him, worship him, exalt him, glorify him. Then the incense rises. And the Lord's heart's desires are being fulfilled. And we have an inner sweetness and a joy with respect to prayer that we've never known before. This may not be our present to a very great extent. But brothers and sisters, this is our future. Not a distant future, but an immediate future. The Lord will raise up throughout his recovery this aspect of the prayer ministry of the church so that finally, whatever he wills to do will be carried out on the earth without hindrance. Because the church, the body of Christ, is fully one with him. And the challenge, and the, sorry, the channel that allows him to flow freely according to his heart's desire, according to his will. So let's continue learning from John 15, 7. From John 15, 16 at the end. From 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Let us encourage one another. Let us supply one another. Let us bear one another. This is a body matter. The prayer ministry of the church. This concludes. A little word to you. Sorry for the lack of technological skill on my end. But I think most of it got communicated. We just trust in the Lord. Even in the midst of these limitations. And our lack of being in one another's presence. That his spirit will be unhindered. And will cause this word to be fully worked out for the glory of God, for the building up of the church, and for the utter shame and defeat of his enemy. May his will be done.
through our prayers in his name. Amen. Any kind of assistance. But once he has his church on the earth, he established the principle of prayer. And God limits himself in this way. He will not act unilaterally. He will act in response to prayers that are according to his will. So he is limited in this way. But he wants the church to release him from these limitations by our praying, by abiding in the vine, and by praying, as we will see, in his name. Yes. And the more we pray in his name and pray his will, the more he can do. And eventually, this is in his heart and will be in our heart, the church will no longer limit the Lord. The church on the earth in his recovery will enable him to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants, at whatever time and way he wants to do it. And in order to have this kind of prayer, we need to go on now to see that we're not only praying the prayer in the vine by abiding, praying according to God's will made known, we're now praying in the Lord's name. And by the Lord's name, we mean the Lord's person, his being. To be in the Lord's name is to be in the Lord himself through our life union with him, through our being in the mingled spirit, letting him be the person living in us, praying in us, speaking in us, acting in us. So we need to learn more and more to be in his name, that is to be in his person. The more we are this way, the more we live this way, the more we will pray in his name, that is pray in his person. He is the one praying, yet we are the ones praying because he and we are one. His prayers are ours. Our prayers are his. And we're praying according to the will of God. 